Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Jeff, a.k.a. obsessed with this Rowan Mars fellow. And uh, so <laughs> this this is uh, the Anarchist Bible Study, or as it sometimes is when Jeff is doing a bonus episode, the what Romans, Ma Ro nope, nope, not, not that, uh, what what Roman Mars can learn about con law review podcast. Um, that's a... That that's the corner I'm carving out for myself here because uh, um, going on in this week in Colorado's view, this isn't about speech at all, and Colorado is particularly worried about allowing what it calls an exemption. So they say, look, if you allow this person to be excused from our civil rights law, that would be an excuse so sweeping. That's their word. You could drive a truck through the excuse. Everybody could speak to you. I mean, is this just about same-sex marriage? I mean, it seems to be like these two cases would be centered on this, but could the Supreme Court treat same-sex marriage differently and create this kind of narrow decision here? It's very difficult to see how they could, because remember, even though the website designer said that her decisions are based on her religious views, the Supreme Court said it was only going to decide this case as a compelled speech issue, not a religious freedom issue. So the motivations for her speech, if it is in fact speech, doesn't matter for this legal argument. And so that means that if the Supreme Court decides in favor of the website designer, any business that says they ought to be excused from public accommodations laws could do so for any kind of reason. So this gets to the biggest problem of all. What happens if the website designer wins? Yeah. So there's the who's an artist. Sorry, let's let's just say any business that can produce a compelled speech reason could be exempt. Like it's more narrow than they're claiming, and um, like I don't know if you if you're if you're trying to pretend that you can't tell the difference between creating a custom website, creating a custom cake, uh, and setting up chairs. I don't, I have a hard time taking, taking you seriously there, that you can't tell the difference between those things, um, obviously. But anyway, we're halfway through, more, a little more than halfway through. Just a problem, right? Besides custom cake makers and website designers. So for instance, it's pretty easy to find a lot of people who say they're engaged in the art barbecue. <laughs> so what if we could time travel back to 1964? Couldn't Ollie McClung have said, look, each plate of ribs or barbecue I serve is an instance of my creative expression. Some are made for white people to eat in the restaurant and others aren't. Or if you force me to serve black customers inside my restaurant, that's forcing me to endorse racial integration. You're changing my message. The problem in the barbecue case was that offering a limited menu to black customers is really treating them differently. Yeah. And isn't that the real issue? And Justice Sotomayor raises this exact question on all these barbecue questions during the website designers case. And because it's December, the hypotheticals naturally turn to Christmas. And Justice Jackson raises a hypothetical. That is a doozy. So you know the kind of business that lets you take a picture of your kid sitting on Santa's lap, right? Yeah. Sure. So, okay. Justice Jackson asks, let's say there is a business in a mall called Scenes with Santa, and they want to express their own nostalgic creations by reproducing Santa scenes from the 1940s and 50s. And in fact, she has a very specific idea in mind. Justice Jackson says, you know, like from It's a Wonderful Life. I'm sure you know, know that movie, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've never seen it, but I know of its okay. existence. <laughs> so it's that kind of movie that's on every year on TV. Yeah, sure. It's a classic Christmas movie, 1946. Jimmy Stewart is a guy who despairs over his failing community bank, and he's, you know, feels terrible. But an angel visits him, and Jimmy Stewart realizes that, no, he shouldn't despair. He really does have a wonderful life. And it is a classic Christmas movie, but I should point out that the main characters are all white. So Justice Jackson says, what if a mall Santa business says, because they're trying to capture the feelings from this movie, their policy is that only white children can be photographed with Santa in this way? So I think you can see where she's going with this. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so she's saying, look, these are customized pictures. They're artistic pictures. This is not an off-the-rack business. So Justice Jackson adds more detail to her example. She says, now this Santa business will take pictures of non-white families for other scenes, and they'll gladly refer you to the Santa business down the block 
but you just can't take Santa pictures with us. Isn't that an Ollie's barbecue takeout policy, right? So if the website designer can say no same-sex marriage customers because that would make me say something that I don't want, then why can't the white Santa company say no black kids, no Hispanic kids, no Asian kids? Isn't that where this is going? The website designer's lawyer does not have an answer to this. <laughs> but then the Santa example took an even weirder turn. Well, okay. Later. Sorry. Let's, let's, let's be, <laughs> let's be fair here. Um, so, um, okay, that's when she asked it of the state of Colorado. Um, um, that's when she asked it of the state of Colorado. Let's see what the actual answer was. Um, so Ms. Wagoner says, because the specific objection that you're including is not necessarily in that photograph. So she's saying, she's saying that the, uh, that, that the, uh, the photograph itself isn't saying integration is good or whatever, right? Like if, if, if kids were posing with a sign that said integration is good, that would be a more, <laughs> that would be a more uh, on point uh, in, in, in the, in the photo. I mean, uh, that would be a more, more on point, um, Comparison, Ms. Wagner is arguing, um, and but then she's saying, but even if, even if it were, this court has protected vile, awful, reprehensible, violent speech in the past, and it has never. And Justice Jackson interrupts her, but anyway, so yes, I mean, Nazis have the right to march through Skokie, for instance, most famously. Um, uh, that that yes, even vile, reprehensible speech is is protected. Um, so it's not, um, it's not enough that everyone disdains your speech, the government can restrict it. Um, the more everyone disdains your speech, of course, the less need there is for the government to restrict it. Um, but, uh, but that's not the standard. Um, and, uh, and that's what she's asking. So. So, so then Justice Jackson says, no, I'm just asking you, why is the objection of the web designer as Justice both Kagan and Sotomayor's pointed out, um, we, when we look at your examples, they just say things like, please come to the wedding on this day. Ms. Wagner, precisely, it's an invitation to a wedding. Justice Jackson, okay, so I, if my hypothetical is an invitation to join me in the 1950s through looking at this photo, you say one is different. Ms. Wagner says, I say that that same clarity of message isn't in that photo, but there are difficult lines to draw and that may be an edge case, but this is not. We have a creative, a creator of speech and a very clear message. Um, and Justice Kagan interrupts and says, it may be an edge case, meaning it could fall on either side. You're not sure. Ms. Wagner says, I am, 
sure in that the message isn't in the product. It's not in the photograph. So that's, that's what she's arguing, that the message and the product are inextricable in the case of the website. That's obviously true and not necessarily in the case of the photographs. That's an actually pretty good bright line for the court to come down on. If the message is inextricably in the product you're offering, which is not for chairs, <laughs> um, and it's not, I would say, not for uh, hairstyling. Um, I guess there are certain ways hair could be styled that would be intrinsically conveying a message, um, but normal hairstyling would not, the, uh, are, is not intrinsically conveying a message even. So even though hairstyling is, is artistic, it's not conveying the message, gay marriage is good. Um, and so, uh, so that would be a pretty good bright line for the court, I think. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, I, I think, I think she's actually answering this question well, um, in as much as she's being allowed to. Uh, but even if the court were to find that it was, the court would still have to protect the speech, and the court could draw a line in, in a different place, as it has just supposed loving an Obergefell in terms of the beliefs between same-sex marriage. Um, and then Justice Alito jumps in to say, in Obergefell, did the court say that religious objections to same-sex same marriage are the same thing? as religious or other objections to people of color. So that's a that's an obviously leading question because this is this is where she gets to point out um, what I've been saying uh, already. She says, no, in fact, it said that decent and honorable people hold beliefs about marriage, believing that there's a gender differentiated marriage and that that's reasonable religious and philosophical premises when we review loving, there's a very different, and then Sotomayor interrupts, but tell me how to write this distinction for you that draws the line just on gay marriage, because that's what you seem to be saying right now, but draws a line that doesn't affect my example of a disabled person or an, or an interracial couple. You're saying it's just because it's compelled speech. Ms. Wagner says, I'm saying that the interracial couple, the disabled person, the lesbian graphic designer, the Democrat, the Republican, no one should be compelled to speak a message. And this court has never found a compelling interest that was narrowly tailored. And then Justice Sotomayor <laughs> interrupts. So you're saying a print shop, a web designer, a cake maker, and then Justice Jackson interjects a photographer. Justice Sotomayor continues, a, a photographer, a jewelry maker, they can refuse to serve anyone they want to refuse because they have a deeply felt belief that serving, taking pictures of black couples, black and white couples, taking pictures of disabled people, people are going to believe that they're speaking that message. Ms. Wagner says, I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that in every free speech case, court looks first, is there speech? In many of the situations you've raised, there would not be speech. And Justice Sotomayor says, but why not? I'm saying your identical website and I don't see a page in here where it says, I am speaking, 303. That's on your personal website. It's not on the wedding website. I'd ask you to show me where and which page it is. It's your message as opposed to the couple's message. 
Ms. Widener says, every page is my client's message. Just as in a newspaper that hosts an op-ed written by someone else, uh, or Hurley, the parade. So yeah, she's <laughs> doing well there, sticking to the court's precedent there, having a, they're having a hard time. I think that the justices here are having a hard time uh, uh, talking around that Hurley precedent. Um, but then why does an off-the-shelf website, the creator of an off-the-shelf website has been speaking, that's what you're saying? And Ms. Weidman says, no, because the compelled speech doctrine doesn't apply once you've entered that speech into the stream of commerce. When the speech is completed, the compelled speech doctrine no longer applies. But in addition, there are 20 states that have followed an amicus, amicus brief in this case. And they said that they are right now using their public accommodation laws to allow message-based protections as Hurley would require. And they're not experiencing these issues. Um, so, Uh, okay, and then that's that that that's actually the um, part of the conversation that leads into um, the Ollie's Barbecue uh, exchange that we read earlier. So, um, so uh, anyway, I I don't think I don't think that was a fair characterization <laughs> that. Uh, that she wasn't able to come up with a distinction with uh, the photos with Santa. Uh, I, like, let, let's rewind just a little and hear what she said again, because, wow, I think that was really unfair, the way she characterized Ms. Wagner's response there. So, you know the kind of business that lets you take a picture of your kid Santa as well, right? Yeah. Okay, Justice Jackson asks, let's say there's a business in a mall called Teams of Santa, and they want to express their own nostalgic creations by reproducing fantasy from the 1940s and 50s. In fact, she has a very specific idea in mind. Justice Jackson says, you know, like from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, well, okay, I've never seen it, but I know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> So it's kind of movie that's on every year. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, a, a, 19, it. yeah, it's, a, it's a classic Christmas movie, 1946. Jimmy Stewart is a guy who despairs over his failing to make gang. You know, he feels terrible. But an angel visits him, and Jimmy Stewart realizes, but no, he shouldn't despair. He really does have a wonderful life. It is a classic Christmas movie, but I should point out that the main characters are all white. So, Justice Jackson says, what if a mall Santa business says, because they're trying to capture the feelings from this movie, their policy is that only white children be photographed with Santa in this way. I think you can see where she's going with this. <laughs> so she's saying, look, these are customized pictures. They're artistic pictures. This is not an off-the-rack business. So Justice Jackson adds more detail to her example. She says, now the Santa business will take pictures of non-white families for other scenes, and they'll gladly refer you to the Santa business down the block, but you just can't take Santa pictures with us. Isn't that an Ollie's barbecue takeout policy, right? So if the website designer can say no same-sex marriage customers because that would make me say something that I don't want, then why can't the white Santa company say no black kids, no Hispanic kids, no Asian kids? Isn't that where this is going? The website designer's lawyer does not have a good answer to this. <laughs> yeah, the website designer's lawyer does not have a good answer to this. I don't know. Judge for yourself. Sounds like a pretty good answer to me. That, that, um, that, the difference is that the speech is not in the product itself. That's the bright line she wants them to draw. But even if they don't draw that bright line, then 
maybe that is an edge case, but the court has protected um, terrible <laughs> speech before. Um, that that shouldn't change now. That's that's not a bad answer, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, comment below whether <laughs> uh, how 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 well you think Ms. Wagner did in answering that question. Um, I think she might not have gotten a chance to complete her answer to that question, but that uh, <laughs> what we did get was uh, pretty good. But then the Santa example took an even weirder turn. Later in the oral argument, Justice Alito asked the lawyer for Colorado this question. Alito says, so if there's a black Santa at the other end of the mall and he doesn't want to have his picture taken with a child who's dressed up in a Ku Klux Klan outfit, does that black Santa have to do that? Of course, this is a completely bizarre argument <laughs> for lots of reasons. Mainly, though, public accommodations laws protect classes of people because they've historically faced discrimination. The Klan is not one of those groups. But political views are one of the things that public accommodation laws protect in many states. Um, and again, they never mention this, but political views is one of the things that's protected. Um, you have to decide whether, um, so, uh, so are, yeah, are this, the, the, uh, person's political views, um, that of white supremacy not protected? I mean, you could come up with, um, a rationale why, but it's, it's not actually, uh, so clear cut um, to uh, in the in the states where political views are are protected. If the court goes the direction uh, that they're that uh, the state of Colorado is trying to get them to go, um, where where there's uh, not not protection against compelled speech here, then then um, then how could you? Uh, protect against a black Santa who doesn't want to take a picture with a kid in a Ku, 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 Ku Klux Klan outfit. Um, uh, it's, you know, it's maybe not the most on point example, maybe not the best example Justice Alito could have possibly come up with. Um, but in the context of the uh, Give and take of an of a live oral argument, not not a not a written decision that's developed over the course of months, but <laughs> a live oral argument where he's trying to be responsive to the example that Justice Jackson gave. And and by the way, uh, I I I did a, a word search on this too. I think um, uh, Justice Alito uses the word Santa like four times, um, and uh, and Justice Jackson uses it the other eighteen or or whatever. It's like um, it's a pretty minor part of Justice Alito's point, and Justice Jackson it's a pretty major part of her point. But um, yeah, in as much as Justice Jackson's example is on point, you do have to answer the other way around. Like if if the compelled speech. <laughs> can be forced in one direction, can it be forced in the other? That's not a bad um, question to ask. And, um, and, and, you know, these ridiculous hypotheticals where 
imagine a black Santa on the other end of the same mall uh, are the sorts of ways the court likes to do this. Um, so anyway, um, so uh, yeah, it's not as crazy as, as they're trying to make it sound. And yeah, anyway, they're about to. Yeah. Yeah. But Alito cannot help himself. He goes on, he says, and what if the kid wearing the Klan outfit sitting on the lap of the black Santa is also himself black? Does he still have to take him? Is the black Santa forced to accept that customer? Um, let me fact check her again, just because um, um, no, actually, no, 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 no. She's she's lying. She's lying again. Um, so, uh, by the way, the state of Colorado hired Ted Olson. I forgot uh, about that. Um, Ted Olson, the most expensive lawyer in existence, um, to uh, try to make sure that they win this case. Um, so uh, that means that the attorney general who works directly for Jared Polis, supposedly a great libertarian, um, made the decision to spend tons of money. <laughs> um, uh, I believe Mr. Olson charges $2,000 an hour. That's my recollection of his going rate. Um, so, uh, and uh, it's not just the hour in which he's standing in front of the Supreme Court. Of course, there's lots of preparation that goes into that. Um, they spent a lot of money um, to hire Mr. Olson to uh, represent them in this case um, because it's that important to them to make sure to nail this Christian to the wall. Anyway, um, so, so okay. So, but, uh, but Ms. Job is... Mr. Job is lying. Um, sorry, there's just nothing else to it here. Um, so um, he says, Justice Alito says, okay, Justice, then I really will stop. Justice Jackson's example of the, the Santa in the mall who doesn't want his picture taken with black children. So if there's a, a black Santa at the other end of the mall, and he doesn't want to have his picture taken with a child who's dressed up in a Ku Klux Klan outfit, that, that Black Santa has to do that? Mr. Olson says, no, because Ku Klux Klan outfits are not protected characteristics under public, public accommodation laws. Um, and then Justice Kagan says, and presumably that would be the same Ku Klux Klan outfit, regardless whether the child was black or white or any other characteristic. And Justice Alito says, you do see, you do see a lot of black children in Ku Klux Klan outfits, right? All the all the time. I suppose, I mean, um, and then that is it. That's it. So no, he was joking. Um uh and and saying uh and saying, just as, uh, just as, uh, uh, it is overwhelmingly going to be 
homosexual people who want you to create wedding websites to celebrate homosexual weddings. It's almost as universally going to be <laughs> um, white kids wearing Ku Klux Klan outfits. One would one would imagine. Um, so, uh, so anyway, the point being that the protected characteristic um, being closely tied to a a type of speech doesn't mean that the type of speech can then be compelled. That's that's the point there. Um, and uh, anyway, Miss Miss Job just lied uh, about what Alito says. He he did not he did not extend the illustration to a black kid wearing a clan outfit. He mocked the idea that the illustration could be extended um, to that actually, and and uh, and now they're mocking him, claiming that he extended it they're just anyway but this is them being fair remember uh she said she said we, we're going to try to be fair here this is their attempt to be fair very weird so yeah. apparently alito thinks that there is a real problem with black children wearing clan outfits at christmas want to sit on santa's back first of all does does justice jackson think there's a real problem with uh people with mall Santas who don't want to take pictures with black kids. So first of all, there's that, that they're hypotheticals. They don't have to be about real problems. But secondly, as we've already read, no, he doesn't. You're lying. He, he, he joked. He was, he was mocking the idea that that is a problem that, 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 that would commonly happen. He was mocking that idea. It's it's not. <laughs> you're you're just making things up. Nobody else fixes this problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's not the race of the kid that's the thing that's being discriminated against. It's you know, it's the clan outfit. You know? Right. It's the speech. That's the point. That was Justice Alito's point. You seem to be having difficulty following. Which is not a protected class. Exactly. But in the actual case. Right. Your speech about a thing is not the same as the protected class. Race is a protected class. Political beliefs in some states are a protected class. But that does not transform your speech into speech that can be compelled in a situation of a public accommodation law, just because your class is protected, that doesn't transform your speech into speech that can be compelled by a third party. That's the point. That's you. You. You're. You're so close <laughs> to grasping the point, but you uh, didn't manage to be quite as fair as uh, you claimed here. The conservative justices seem pretty receptive to the website designer's arguments that she can't be forced to comply with a law designed to ensure equal access to the state's services. But if the court rules in her favor, it would be, as Justice Sotomayor said during oral argument, the first time in the court's history that it said that a business open to the public could refuse to serve a customer based on race, sex, religion, or sexual orientation. Sorry. So, Lori Smith, is she... Um, 
just just a set of my eyes. Almost assuredly wrong about that. Uh, so, as is now, Professor Job. But okay, is she preemptively suing this Colorado civil rights? Like, is somebody trying to commission her for a website? Then no, she hasn't actually uh, started to offer them yet. She um, raised what's called a pre-enforcement challenge. So, in other words, someone who says, "I'm a, I'm about to do this, and I know, you know, pretty certainly that if I offer the service, then I'm going to be penalized for it." And there was some back and forth before the case went up to the Supreme Court about whether she's she has the ability to bring this kind of case, but it was resolved in her favor. So we are assuming before the Supreme Court that this is okay for the court to um, consider her case. So pre-enforcement challenges do happen. That's an example of them. But she, that's right. She hasn't actually doesn't have a customer who's been refused yet. I see. Does the Supreme Court routinely take a preemptive challenge? You know, because that yeah. seems like it, you know nothing has happened yet. Yeah, it does definitely. Right. I wouldn't call it a preemptive challenge. That's pre-enforcement challenges. Oh, sorry, sort of sorry, like sorry. if I I'm about to engage in this conduct, and it, I'm almost like I'm dead certain, let's say that I'm going to be punished criminally, criminal law, or I'm going to be punished civilly. And because of that, um, I need to know now if she was seeking an injunction, in other words, that the law not be applied to her. So that's sort of the posture. So it's not that unusual. Now, the Webster case, I think, reflects this increasingly diverse society and the fact that states are trying to provide equal access to law for everybody. But as civil rights laws have expanded to recognize more categories of protected groups, you also see this kind of conservative backlash against that expansion. Yeah. It's also why marriage equality in general, and I think the Obergefell decision in particular, is also in danger. That's the 2015 Supreme Court decision that recognizes a constitutionally mm -hmm. protected right to conflict marriage. But thanks to Justice Thomas, that's in some question. So now, Roman, we've talked about the Dobbs decision a bunch of times now. Yeah. Dobbs, of course, overturned Roe versus Wade, and as a result, there's no longer a constitutionally protected right to do an abortion. But in Dobbs, Justice Thomas wrote a separate opinion to say that the court should also reconsider its previous decision in Obergefell about same-sex marriage. Now, the reason why he mentions this is because both what had been the constitutional right to an abortion and the existing right to same-sex marriage were based on the same constitutional provision, that's the due process clause, yeah. and the same kind of constitutional interpretation. So for Thomas, it's really simple. If abortion goes, so should same-sex marriage. But as long as Obergefell survives, no state can prohibit same-sex marriage. But because that case or that decision now seems so vulnerable, Congress acted very quickly in response. And on December 13th, Biden signed the Respect for Marriage Act into law. So what does the Respect for Marriage Act do? Yeah, it's really important, I think, to understand what the law does and doesn't do. And in part because a lot of the press coverage has kind of broadly described it as um, you know, a law that enshrines marriage equality into federal law. I would say that's not entirely correct. What the law does do is prepare for a world after Obergefell, if the Supreme Court decided to overturn it. Wow. When the Supreme Court decided that there was a constitutionally protected right to same-sex marriage, what that meant practically is that existing state bans on same-sex marriage were unenforceable. Those laws didn't go away. They were just unenforceable. It's kind of similar to what happened to abortion when the court decided Roe versus Wade in 1973. But if Obergefell is overturned by the Supreme Court, those laws could go into effect again. Existing bans on same-sex marriage could be enforced, and states would be free to pass new bans on same-sex marriage, just like abortion. That would also be true if the court decided that interracial marriage was not a right protected by the Constitution. States could ban them too. So the Respect for Marriage Act is a couple of different things, but I just... By the way, Justice Thomas, who is in an interracial marriage, did not say that Loving versus Virginia um, was one of the substantive due process cases that should be revisited. Um, and that's for a very good reason. The vast majority of the Loving versus Virginia decision um, is actually on equal protection grounds, which Justice Thomas has no issue with, not on substantive, substantive due process grounds. So substantive due process is what he has a problem with because that decision survives without that reasoning because that decision doesn't even need another type of reasoning for to come to the same conclusion. He didn't include it in his list. Very simple. Um, 
Uh, so to it's just yeah, just lazy to uh, not not what you would like to see from a professor um, to lazily uh, just blaze over these distinctions like this. But anyway. But I just want to focus on the, the main part of it. So let's say that the Supreme Court overturns Obergefell versus Hodges. So that would mean there's no constitutionally protected right to same-sex marriage. And let's say that you and your same-sex partner get legally married in California, but then move to Texas, and imagine that Texas is banned same-sex marriage. The Respect for Marriage Act says that Texas is still required to recognize mm. that California marriage. That's the case even if Texas doesn't allow its own citizens to enter into same-sex marriages under Texas law. However, this is the important part. The new federal law does not require any state to allow same-sex couples to marry. So if you live in a state where same-sex marriage is likely to be banned in a post-Obergefell world, you'd have to travel to another state to get married, just like with abortion. So right now, the federal law doesn't have any practical importance, but if Obergefell is overturned and the Respect for Marriage Act starts to force unwilling states to recognize out-of-state same-sex marriages, you can guarantee that there will be court challenges to the law. Yeah. But it does provide, I think, some assurance for marriage equality if the court decides to go that, in that direction. Have these extremely fanciful hypotheticals always been a part of Supreme Court arguments? Yeah, I mean, they're a part of, you know, they're a part of Supreme Court arguments, they're part of, you know, any court's arguments, and yeah. they're just part of actually legal education, right? But you're thinking through the limits. Part of what's so crazy about Alito and the kid in the KKK outfit is like, you know, is that really helpful in this context? You know, because you know, Colorado, uh, the state of Colorado is thinking through like some of the practical problems. I mean, there are going to be, if the case goes in the way that I, I think it will, there will be all kinds of service providers who say, hey, I'm engaged in speech, I don't have to serve these people, I don't have to serve these customers, and I'm not discriminating against them about my speech. But again, you know, Prior to the current era, we never thought that that was a legitimate way to reject civil rights laws, right? You know, Ollie's barbecue was not a case where we thought maybe he has the speech right there. You know, there's a benefit to the court having recognized more and more categories of non-literal speech that is protected by the First Amendment, but that means that it raises many more instances in which somebody says, "Hey, this is speech," and it gets protected, even if it seems non-obvious. Thing. Yeah, or like, or alternatively, the thing that could have changed is not recognizing more categories of speech but more categories of speech being limited by the government. Like, it's pretty pretty obviously the latter. Um, it's pretty obviously <laughs> that um, that this public accommodation uh, according to sexual orientation regime is incompatible with the robust speech protections that we expect um, or that uh, particularly Americans have come to expect um, uh, and uh, and so that it's that uh, that yeah these are not uh, that it's not compatible with um, those robust speech protections, um, and uh, uh, and that that's what's uh, that's what's bringing the uh, uh, bringing the conflict. And in case I don't get a chance to, uh, no, 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 I know I'm gonna, I, I know I'm gonna get a chance to say. So I'll, I'll, so yeah, I think I find that much more likely is that the that the the trampling on. The the well, and the, sorry, isn't this just quite obviously the case in the case of compelled speech that um, 
yeah, Ollie's Barbecue didn't make the argument that you're compelling speech because that's insane in the case of Ollie's Barbecue. In this case, it is that when when you have public accommodation law that applies to sexual orientation and can apply to speech and creative businesses, then you're then you're obviously going to have this collision in the law um, that would not have been the case before uh, before the law was applied this way. Like that's that's actually pretty straightforwardly the difference here. It's not um, in other words, <laughs> in other words, your whole frame, your whole premise of this episode is wrong that, to claim that all these barbecue and this case are the same. Um, your whole premise is wrong. Uh, and that's, um, and that's the difference here. Uh, that it's not, it's not that, uh, um, it's not that legal reasoning has lurched to the right and, uh, and, and that therefore there are new ways that Ollie's barbecue could have come out differently. It's like, no, that's not, um, it's it's that it's that the enforcement has lurched to the left, um, and and so the speech protections that would have been assumed in previous generations can no longer be assumed. That's quite obviously what happened here. By the way, it was a concern that was raised in the Obergefell decision. In the Obergefell decision, um, I. Um, I've forgotten his name. Um, the uh, the guy who wrote Obergefell, who was the swing vote for so long, Kennedy. Uh, you you didn't have to yell at your phones for quite so long this time. Uh, Justice Kennedy um, said that that people of good faith can can oppose same sex marriage and that we need to protect because there's going to be an obvious collision. Um, and I think it might have been actually Ted Olson arguing. I think he might have been the solicitor general of the of the Obama government at the time. Um, I, I I might be wrong about that, but anyway, uh, whoever it was. Oh no, no no! I know who it was, but I'm not gonna take the time to remember his name because it's not relevant. I don't think it was Ted Olson. Um, but um, um, but anyway, uh, he said in the oral arguments to Obergefell when asked by. Um, Alito or Scalia, um, is there going to be a a collision here? He said, "Yes, <laughs> yes, there is. Um, uh, that 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 is going to be that is going to be an issue, and uh, and and so the Obergefell decision itself said that the Obergefell decision itself was going to cause <laughs> more of these kinds of collisions, and that these kinds of collisions needed to be decided in favor of." The conscience rights of the uh, of the of of the people who who opposed same sex marriage that 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 still needed to be that their rights still needed to be upheld. That's in the Obergefell decision uh, because of this. So that's obviously what changed here. Not <laughs> uh, not some lurch to the right uh, in in trying to. Uh, and and no, I, I mean it's traditionally been the left 
that has been trying to expand the scope of speech into more into other kinds of expressive conduct. Now, I'm personally in favor of that myself, so I'm not. I'm I'm commending the left, <laughs> um, but uh, in in this in this one narrow case, um, but uh, but yeah, that's traditionally been the left, not um, not the right. In fact, uh, Scalia was was one of the only votes to try to limit. <laughs> uh, he he wrote the dissent, I believe, in the uh, the flag burning um, case. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's traditionally been the uh, conservatives who've been trying to limit the speech's application to to more expressive uh, other kinds of expressive conduct um that's that's not a right-wing thing um it just it just so happens that uh the law applies to your enemies too anyway i mean just to name an example <laughs> what a mess uh no this is a, a, a again a professor should correct a student when they have such a bad misapprehension of Citizens United that they got from Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, the Supreme Court did not say that um, campaign donations are speech. It said you can't limit the campaign donations. In this way, it, they didn't. The Supreme Court didn't create political action committees or anything like that. That's those were created by the law. The law itself. It was saying you can't, um, you can't limit, um, you can't have speech-based restrictions on donations. Essentially, you can't have um, so that. So that to campaigns, sure. To endorse candidates, sure. But that you can't have speech-based restrictions on donations uh, because obviously the freedom of the press belongs to the man who owns one. Um, it's uh, the, the inability to fund your speech is a limit on your speech. Um, and so speech-based restrictions on funding are unconstitutional. That's, that's the Citizens United um, decision. Um, it's not um, um, the, it, it, it doesn't say, it, it, yeah, anyway, it, it doesn't, it, which is why the, the, uh, lefties on Twitter never actually quote it. <laughs> um, they uh, they might think they're quoting it, but they're quoting John Stewart, joking about it or something. Uh, is uh, the the anyway the reasoning in Citizens United is just so clearly true. Like a a limitation on the ability to fund speech is a limitation on the speech, um, and uh, are and so you can't have you can't have restrictions on funding that are based on nothing other than the kind of speech that is being funded. Um, that's, uh, um, that's very consistent with uh, Supreme Court precedent on, on any number of other things, um, content-based uh, restrictions like that. Anyway, um, okay.
We're almost done. <laughs> Is there an overall feeling that the law shouldn't countenance bigotry? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or is that just left out of the calculation? That's what these state and federal civil rights laws do, right? That you're trying to change the marketplace against the bigoted decisions of some service providers. But what's happened is that this particular court, I think, has decided that religious freedom is kind of uh, a value that will outweigh many other values in a lot of these controversial cases, right? We've seen it. We're seeing this in the website case. You know, during COVID, you know, we saw a lot of decisions in favor of religious freedom over public health. You know, these are all. Uh, by the way, those decisions during COVID were that you cannot apply worse restrictions to to religious <laughs> uh, religious meetings than you can to any other kind of meetings. That those were the COVID decisions she's talking about. That you that you cannot apply more strict. Um, that that was all the Supreme Court said. You cannot be more strict with gatherings on the basis of religion than you can than than you can be with gatherings on any other basis. That whatever whatever your restrictions are, they have to um, they have to apply equally to Walmart and casinos and and sports ball uh then as they as they do to church that's that's all they that's all they said so so yeah i mean that seems pretty <laughs> pretty squarely like how could how can you possibly say that um uh, freedom of religion has any special protection in the constitution at, at all if if that wasn't the way those cases came out, obviously, like is, um, and I did have fun when when those cases came out, uh, just just pointing out to people on Twitter because over and over again people on Twitter were saying, um, uh, well, what if is why why are basically why are churches getting special protection against COVID as Nope, not what they said. <laughs> it's that churches can't be specially targeted <laughs> by COVID enforcement. Um, by the way, as we record just this week, um, the uh, the crown the the crown prosecutor in uh, Ontario um, dropped the charges against uh, Jacob Riome and uh, um, and his church in. Um, uh, in Ontario, um, uh, for their, uh, violations during the pandemic. Um, so we've got a pretty good streak here of, uh, of, uh, churches and pastors in Canada, um, sometimes winning, sometimes having their cases dropped. Um, uh, so it, it, it looks like, um, there's, it's going to be, uh, hard to maintain that there there wasn't um overzealous uh <laughs> uh enforcement here that that prosecutors are just having to backpedal away from um now that people aren't as panicked um so um uh so anyway yeah that was the issue and certainly i mean Almost, almost the only 
stringent COVID enforcement like that happened against churches here in Alberta. Um, I guess I guess there was also um, uh, I guess there was also the uh, Mirror Alberta um, Diner. I, I forget the name of it. Um, uh, Whistle Stop Cafe. I guess there was also the Whistle Stop Cafe uh, um, in uh, in Alberta, but but yeah, even there, it seems like not not quite the same level of enforcement that that some of the pastors uh, got. Certainly, uh, certainly seems targeted in that case as well. Anyway, um, yeah, so so kind of uh, <laughs> yeah, again. Just having a hard time representing things accurately to say that uh, um, that churches were getting a special deal from the Supreme Court during the pandemic. Definitely not what happened. Well, putting a thumb on the scale of religious freedom, that's what this particular conservative majority cares a lot about. Yeah, I just feel like the concept of religious freedom that leads down a path of bigotry is just, you know, there should be limits for that. That's, that's right. That's right, huh? I don't know how to parse that. Let, let me let me try to be fair. Is he saying religious freedom that leads down a path to bigotry? He's saying that kind of religious freedom, religious freedom that leads down that path, there should be limits to that. Or was he saying religious freedom, hyphen, that thing, religious freedom, it leads down a path to, uh, down a path to bigotry, so there should be limits on religious freedom. Um, if it's the latter, that's a pretty reprehensible statement. Um, and obviously would mean that religious freedom just needs to be defined out of existence to, uh, to placate the way people would prefer to use their genitals um, as, a, as, as the, the only rights-bearing individuals in in any of these situations, I suppose. Um, but if it's the if it's the former, uh, then then it's just well, <laughs> uh, when you when you have a collision of when you have a collision of rights, you have to have a principled way of resolving them and it 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 shouldn't be the side i like should win and the side i don't like should lose um you have to have you have to have a principle uh to apply here so let's see if if the constitutional law professor uh provides one here right and you know it's yeah that's why i said you know you think about the origins of the compelled speech stuff like thinking about the Jehovah's witness case yeah. i think a lot of people kind of understand that because there aren't any larger consequences here for them to exercise their religious freedom right right they uh Certainly during World War One, that would not have been broadly understood. During World War One, the idea was um, that, uh, I mean, for the same reason that that they could throw you in jail for speaking against the draft, um, is uh, why can't you force kids to say the Pledge of Allegiance? Um, is uh, we're at war, uh, encouraging patriotic messages is critical to the survival of our nation. Like, <laughs> obviously, obviously they didn't agree. Obviously, they thought this was this was uh, monumentally important 
uh, and so what what if what if I think the thing that you're trying to protect with your compelled speech doctrine is not very important? Am I allowed to just write it off or or uh, should we uh, should we actually say that no matter the importance of the thing we're trying to compel you to speak on, uh, <laughs> uh, that unless it is both highly important and something justifiably in the realm that that the uh, that that the the state can rightly protect its citizens against and let <laughs> obviously uh, uh, that's a rabbit hole we don't have to um, chase from my own perspective here but but from from the court's perspective or from a from a student in a constitutional law class's perspective so um so yeah the in gabitis <laughs> um the uh um well, now I'm forgetting um, whether it was Gabitis was the the bad decision during World War One or the follow up decision that that uh, vindicated it. anyway. Um, that uh, that the uh, uh, no Barnett was the good decision. Gabitis was the bad decision. So in Gabitis, they said. No, you're harming people by refusing to say your uh, your patriotic pledge here. Um, this this overrides your concerns about compelled speech, which, by the way, are also religious in nature. Funny how that works. How often <laughs> often it's going to be people's religious freedoms and and uh, attempts to compel their speech are going to overlap. It has always been thus. Just give a little pinch of incense to Caesar, after all. Or just say, uh, just say, curious case are. Anyway, um, so the um, uh, so yeah, in the Gavitis decision, they said uh, they said, look, these issues are just too important. We're going to have to. Uh, side with the government here, they're allowed to compel your speech. It's the Barnett decision that um, that says no, right? It doesn't matter <laughs> um, that uh, that you might be raising uh, disloyal youths by <laughs> is the state can't compel, uh, and, and and that's that's the famous quote um, that. Uh, uh, if there is any fixed star in our in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, neither high nor petty, uh, can compel what may be orthodox in matters of 
uh, religion, politics. I can't remember. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sentence. Um, probably deserves, probably deserves being uh, quoted accurately. Um, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, there we go. Um, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion, or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. Beautiful, beautiful sentence. Um, and yes, that was West Virginia versus Barnett. It was Gabitis that was that it overrode. I think I, I'm I'm quite sure. I don't I don't have to check. That was Justice Robert Jackson, um, who uh, uh, who who said that, and he's right. And applying that here, <laughs> no official, high or petty. Can prescribe what shall be orthodox in matters of pol in sorry, in politics or religion or other matters of opinion or force citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein seems to pretty clearly apply to our 303 creative case there doesn't it when you put it that way all right anyway let's finish this up we're four less than four three and a half minutes away they, they exercise it they just don't participate but this is an example of religious freedom having ripple effects throughout the whole society. If you're allowed to say, you can't come here, you need to go to a different business, right? That, that just is like religious freedom permitting a kind of stratified society. Yeah, that should be considered when you're talking about religious freedom. Because you can make so wait a second. If we're concerned about a stratified society, um, how about the kind of stratified society where Christians of faith aren't allowed to be involved in entire industries? without violating their conscience. It, are there no stratified society concerns there? <sighs> Again, is, is there a great concern that there are no website designers? Website designers can live anywhere, by the way. But even if you, for some reason, need a website designer who lives in Colorado, is there this great concern that no website designer will that what what how how do we end up with a stratified society if we let people not have to say things they don't want to say? I, I this, this is uh I mean this is Gabitis. This is this reasoning would apply to Gabitis. Okay. We're going to end up with, if we let Jehovah's Witnesses not say the pledge, we're going to end up with this stratified society where Jehovah's Witnesses get these super rights, that they get to they get to not have to say the pledge that everyone else has to say. So, and, and they they get to, Jehovah's Witnesses get to, get to speak out against being involved in the war and, and all this is, and if, if, if you're not careful, you're going to have this stratified society where Jehovah's Witnesses uh, um, get to, I don't. It seem it seem it seems like this is. Um, I, I'm trying to see the I'm trying to see the endpoint here to that kind of thinking. I I don't. I don't I don't see how. I don't see how that has a natural stopping point, and that's the issue. Is um, well, if if what I'm thinking is at the very end here doesn't 
come up, then then I'll say that I'll I'll say this in closing. Um, I think I've didn't have any type of tenant, but you can rally around. Obviously, there has to be someone. But I mean, oh yeah, because clearly, Miss Smith here just made up a religion that had tenants. Uh, that it, not that she held the same faith that every Christian has confessed that 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 is that has been consistent since Moses on this issue um, is uh, is clearly the issue here is that you could just make up a religion out of whole cloth to uh, get you out of get you out of your your otherwise obligation see how see what i mean by this this public accommodation reasoning um is is actually creating more problems and more discrimination than than it solves for um the uh like this is um well, we had this problem in, in Canada where this guy, Jonathan Yaniv, uh, traipsing around to mostly immigrant <laughs> um, uh, bikini wax artists demanding that they wax his fully intact male parts Um and uh, brought human rights complaints against all of them. It, it, he he weaponized these public accommodation laws um, against against marginalized, <laughs> underprivileged uh, people. Certainly, way less privileged than him. Um, and uh, uh, and this is. I, this is, I'm pretty convinced what happened in the Jack, Jack Phillips case as well. So Miss Smith was was smart to uh, bring this pre-enforcement challenge to make sure that she's not going to get dragged through the ringer for decades um, herself uh, in in a very similar situation to uh, Jack Phillips. This religion has a shield for all decision behavior and things that come from lots of other people can be considered differently than. Yeah, you're allowed to have religious convictions as long as they have no effect on anybody. That's the standard. So this is that's a religious conviction, by the way. The, <laughs> the idea that the idea that you can have any religious convictions you want as long as they don't interfere in the public square. That's a religious conviction. That's a that's a secularist, modernist religious conviction. Why should that religious conviction be protected over any others?
I mean, yeah, this this was the the wild inconsistency that I was. Um, so so they're calling inconsistency on. Um, they're calling inconsistency on uh, anyone who supports Dobbs uh, and would support Ms. Smith in this 303 creative case. Um, they're, they're calling that inconsistent. Um, and I agree, but not for the reasons they think. Um, and that comes down to the difference between positive and negative rights. We've been flitting around this distinction this entire time. Um, you having the right, you having the right to someone else's service uh, that these, these positive rights, they don't work because they essentially amount to to your rights are able to compel someone else and violate their rights. And that it's inescapably the case anytime you're enforcing a, a positive right. Um, enforcing a negative right is quite different. Um, so right, if you have a positive right to an abortion, then, then that by its very nature means that the that the unborn child's right not to be killed is violated. Um, so that so that a, a right to an abortion is an impossible positive right because it naturally implicates uh, uh, it inextricably implicates the right of another human being to live. Um, and so you can't have a right to, um, you can't have a right to have someone make a website for you or you're automatically infringing on someone else's right to not make a website for you. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so that's, that's the issue here is that, um, is that positive rights are always going to um, involve the compulsion of some other party, um, whereas negative rights are enforceable. So, I mean, the, uh, the Supreme Court probably should have said that states can't. <laughs> um, uh, it, or the Supreme Court would have been able to be in their rights to say that equal protection of the laws means that you can't uh, uh, you can't have a class of of human that it's okay to kill, um, so that so that there there uh, there can't be a state by state differentiation um, with with regard to protection of these negative rights, but that, um, so not only, uh, so, so then the, then the argument is, okay, 
what about when this claimed positive right, this one state is trying to instantiate, interferes with someone else's negative right to be able to abide by the dictates of their own conscience um, and, and, to, and, and, and their, 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 their negative right to not have their speech compelled by another, um, what happens there? And the, the, the court can, again, uh, protect those negative rights. So I think the court has been inconsistent, but the court has been inconsistent because they didn't apply full protection uh, of the equal protection of the laws to the unborn, um, not <laughs> uh, uh, not because they uh, uh, are not wanting the laboratory of, of democracy in, in the case of uh, non-discrimination law. They're, they're openly they're openly in favor of the laboratory of democracy in, in the cases of non-discrimination law. They're not trying to tell all 50 states what their non-discrimination laws could be. What they, what they are potentially, potentially uh, gearing up is tell Colorado that your application of your non-discrimination law is overriding other foundational rights. And you can't, you can't do that. Um, so anyway, but, so it's funny when um, they're accusing they're accusing the the court of inconsistency here. Obviously, that same inconsistency would have would apply to them. Is you want laboratories of democracy here, but you don't want laboratories of democracy in the case of uh, of uh, Roe v. Wade uh, in the yeah in the case of Roe v. Wade or, or Dobbs. Um, so, uh, but but then. How do they articulate? <laughs> how do they articulate the consistent standard? I'd be interested to hear how do how do how do they articulate a consistent standard that can apply um, across both of those cases, um, and and their position matches um, a consistent legal standard in both cases. I'm I'm not sure I see how that works. Um, the the legal standard would have to be um, that there there are positive rights to non-discrimination and a positive right to bodily autonomy even to the extent of uh, <laughs> well that's funny yeah um, you could have bodily autonomy accept it and, and until until it comes to your mouth organs and then or your 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 fingers typing up a website then 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 that bodily autonomy goes away yeah uh yeah that's actually more directly contradictory than i even thought until i started to say this uh so the the standard would have to be something like uh there is a positive right both to non-discrimination public accommodation, uh, and to, uh, well, it, it has to be a, the, the, the Ginsburg idea that the, uh, it's, it's another kind of non-discrimination that a, a woman has to have the right to be as equally non-pregnant as a man. So, so that that's the standard. So you can see how 
that's just a creation defying standard in 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 both ways that um that uh the that non-discrimination means both that a uh, woman has to be able to be just as non-pregnant as a man uh even after having had sex and produced a baby clearly um uh so that's just you 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 take that take that one up with the judge of all the earth not not a supreme court justice uh that one you're just you're just defying creation there and in the same way um that not only do I need to be able to equally marry a man as a woman could, um, but I also need to be able to equally get the services of a particular website designer as someone who was engaging in a, a biblical marriage could. Um, that, <clears throat> um, that, I guess, is the argument. And you see how just incoherent with the world God made um, that turns into very quickly. This is why, by the way, look, um, as libertarians, we can't get confused here. We can't confuse positive and negative rights. We can't, um, we can't go down this road where we pretend that they're the same thing. <clears throat> So that, so that some non-discrimination um, non-discrimination in the sense that your government can't require something of you, it doesn't require someone who is of a different race or whatever. Yes, that's that that's a negative right. That's that's workable, it's applicable. But positive rights, they fall apart. And and libertarians, we've got to be careful um, <clears throat> to not get caught in the trap of just uh, of, of just loosely throwing around this rights language uh, indiscriminately, pardon the pun, um, and uh, uh, and just and just treating treating these uh, positive rights and negative rights as as if they're the same thing. Um, yes, you have a right to racial non-discrimination, which means um, that that the government cannot <laughs> uh, the government cannot treat you differently because you're because you're of one race than another, right? That 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 right is is easy to apply and 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 does not involve you in immediate contradictions um but a right against racial discrimination that requires someone else <laughs> to speak on your behalf <laughs> to um to accommodate you with their with their business open to the public, whatever, that immediately runs into um, uh, deeper issues. 
and this is why we uh, we can't treat we can't treat positive rights and negative rights like they're the same thing. Um, the right against the the right to not have something done to you. That's these are the right these are the rights that can <laughs> that can that can logically be maintained in a libertarian framework without immediately falling into contradiction. But but we see this so often where um, where where libertarians just uh, treat positive rights and negative rights as if they're the same thing, and that will immediately involve you in in a uh, in a un, uh, impossible in in uh, contradictions that are impossible to disentangle. All right, we've got two minutes left, and probably half that is music. If they're just seriously taking this case, I mean, if they take this seriously, there's two ways you can get rid of it, right? To say, number one, um, that there is no exemption to civil rights laws. Or even the more basic one, this is not speech. And when you make a cake, it's not speech. Or when you add some things onto a website, that's not speech. That's also a different way to get rid of it because most of the stuff where people would want to be discriminatory is not. By the way, add some things to a website is like a pre-made, your conceit, when you say it that way, add some things to a website. You're conceiving of it as a pre-made website, not not what she's talking about. There, the uh, um, templates, that kind of thing, is not what she's talking about. She's talking about custom-made websites. If uh, again, just just can't stick, can't stick to the actual facts of the case. Have to have to torque things. Even close to the speech, right? The guy who runs out the chairs, but the guy who sells flowers, really hard to get that speech. And it's just because they're willing to say this is a custom-made website as opposed to just like you plug in stuff yourself, you know, do it your DIY website. But that is her speech as opposed to fully the customer's speech. Okay, so using the example that Ms. Wagoner gave, or using the bright line that Ms. Wagoner gave, you can easily see how the florist, say, can, if if you're asking for a regular floral arrangement that that doesn't communicate any particular speech one way or the other then then the the florist has no compelled speech case um but if you're asking for a floral arrangement in the shape of a set of genitals the florist can say no if you're asking for a floral arrangement in the shape of a swastika, the florist can say no. If you're asking for a floral arrangement that um, of, uh, say, a certain uh, a certain uh, I'm trying to think of like there's a there's a North versus South Vietnamese thing with a certain kind of flower. So if you're asking a South Vietnamese uh, florist uh, for uh, an arrangement only of the North Vietnamese flower, whatever it is, um, and and you're doing it only to try to get the South Vietnamese person to engage in in something that both you and that florist are going to perceive as speech. Um, where the speech inheres in the 
product itself, that that's the bright line. Of course, you would never learn that by listening to this podcast episode, not this podcast episode that you, dear listener, are listening to now. Uh, but but uh, the What Roman Mars Can Learn About Con Law uh, podcast episode, you'd never learn you never learned that she ever gave that distinction because they pretended that she didn't. Um, but obviously that distinction works out pretty well here. Um, and, uh, and they just have to ignore it because um, their argument would fall apart otherwise. All right, we're almost done. <laughs> That's where you're going to fit in the outline. You can save 10% off the website. Right, so a... A website template is not the same as even even in that joke they're giving away that that they are they're not able to represent her her case accurately um, that that a, a template is not the same thing as a custom designed website that's the whole argument. <laughs> Thank you. This show is produced by Elizabeth Joe and Neil Romero. You can find us online at learnconlaw.com. All the music at whatmomentparsofmore.com is provided by Duke Dream Records, the Midwest Hip Hop Collective. Find out more about Duke Dream Records at merch and learn about their monthly membership exclusives at DukeDream.net. We are part of Stitcher and SiriusXM Podcast Now. All right. So there we go. We listened to it bumper to bumper. Um, can't can't say that I left anything out or distorted anything they said. We we listened to it from from the um, intro to the outro. Um, so uh, yes, basically, I regret to I regret to inform you that the uh, the bad con law takes her at it again. Um, but uh, glad glad that we were able to go through this. This might end up being after all more than one episode. I don't know how. Island Cap is going to split it up. So, so uh, let let me do this. I will I will say, uh, like, subscribe. Uh, if you're one of those, um, uh, if you're if you're one of the uh, audio only master race, uh, which we will gladly discriminate in your favor. Um, uh, you uh, give us a. Uh, five, give us five stars review if you're, uh, if you're Apple, um, if it's, uh, I, I know, uh, Google podcasts are, are doing reviews now, at least sometimes I'm not sure exactly how that works. Uh, so, you know, wherever you're listening to us, see if you can leave a review. If you can, we'd really appreciate it. Helps new people find the show. Um, uh especially by the by if you if you have liked and reviewed say the tom wood show or scott horton show or if uh, especially if you're listening to other smaller uh podcasters and and uh you, you can help you can help audiences of that show find this show um uh i think that's I'm I'm fairly certain that's how algorithms work. Although Al Gore the, did not consult me on on how his rhythms would work, um, but but anyway, uh, the uh, um, so like the show, subscribe to the show. Thank you very much, all of you, for getting us over the hump. Um, 
on YouTube to where uh, we can uh, migrate off of uh, off of YouTube or at least near uh, all of our YouTube stuff. I think uh, YouTube has been has been valuable to us, I think, in helping new people find the show, but at least we'll be able to mirror it so that we're not uh, reliant um, on YouTube. I don't believe that we have done that yet, but thank you very much for letting us um, do that by subscribing to the show on YouTube. Um, uh, if you're on a podcast catcher, uh, podcatcher, podcast player, um, also subscribe. Uh, uh, that definitely that definitely helps uh, new people find the show as well. Um, and um, uh, yeah, and if you uh, uh, so yeah, leave a comment on the YouTube video. I've I've heard that helps too. Um, I've heard it doesn't help when you hit the dislike button, even though the, the number of dislikes are now hidden. So please don't do that. Uh, uh, also, um, uh, please don't email us if you're, uh, uh, if you're, uh, trying to, uh, force us to, uh, make a website for you. If, uh, for that, uh, you can direct, uh, all inquiries to um uh to uh uh greek uh, at aries um greek at aries dot dot uh gk is that what greek i'm i'm i i can't remember anyway yeah, figure out what the figure out what the the country code is for greece and then it's Greek at Aries dot whatever that country code is. That's that's that, that's the Greek version of Roman Mars. That's how you find him. Uh, he'll take all those queries uh, if you're trying to force us to make a website for you. Any other kinds of questions you can send to anarchistbiblestudy at gmail.com. Um, and, uh, uh, and so now I will... Uh, Right there, give a pause for ION cap so that he can maybe cut that and put it at the end of two episodes if there's going to be two episodes. Um, and then I'll say, oh, wait, but I forgot to say the most important part, which is uh, most importantly, join us next week here on the when we take anarchist. Nope. And most importantly, join us again next week when we take anarchy to church here on the anarchist Bible study. Grace and peace. All right. Maybe I left you something to work with there, Iowan Cap. Maybe not. I will. Uh, I will do my claps again uh, so that you can find this easily, and uh, hopefully, hopefully that was helpful. Um, <clears throat> so no one told you Pod was going to be this way. <laughs> <laughs>